The views and opinions expressed in the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the producers, the affiliates, or digital platforms hosting this podcast. All content is for the purposes of education, conjecture, and at times entertainment. We promote inclusiveness and diversity. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Into the Deep with Jay Caster. episode 20 and it's our first episode with two guests and they just happen to be a married couple today's guests are Jacqueline and David Lone Bear Senapass. Jacqueline is an author jewelry designer speaker and happens to hold a BA in outdoor education and wilderness leadership her husband David Lone Bear Senapass, is a Mi'kmaq elder and traditional storyteller flute maker speaker basket maker artist and scientist has been traveling the world sharing freely the ancient teachings from his heritage called star teachings. Mi'kmaq are First Nations people of the Northeastern woodlands, indigenous to the areas of Canada's Atlantic provinces and peninsulas, as well as the Northeastern region of Maine and the United States. Jacqueline and David are two of the four captains that form Ancient Echoes. Ancient Echoes practice ancient sound and technology to bring resolute to spirit. Through information gathering and teaching, they help people understand spirit and the universe and are here to bring change by helping the community of the world understand what spirit is. We talk about so much in this episode. We talk about how the teachings begin with kindness, the importance of community, how Jacqueline and David met, and their journey to help bring the teachings to the world. David was chosen and instructed by his elders and teachers to bring a message to the world and is permitted to share only so much for certain durations of time. So at this time, I would like to extend a heartfelt and warm Willalin to the council for their permission and blessings for David and Jacqueline to join us here today. So, join me as we seek light and journey into the deep with Jacqueline and David Lone Bear Senapass. Enjoy. David, Jacqueline, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and George wanted me to thank you as well, too. That From the bottom of our hearts, the two of us really thank you for taking the time and your energy today to talk about some really special things. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. If, if you could, for our listeners and our viewers, if you, if you wouldn't mind the two of you sharing who you are and what it is you do, please. Go ahead. <laughs> i go after you. Okay. <laughs> Why do I have to go first? <laughs> because you're the, the lady. <laughs> I love that. And you know more of me than I do. So. I, I always go first. So yeah. I'm Jacqueline Senapass and live in Maine. I'm born and raised in Maine. My family's from Maine. Sorry. <laughs> I, my great-grandparents are from Maine. So uh, we have a long history in Maine, but... Um, we do a few different things. I like to make jewelry. I just recently published a book and, um, I work a lot with David and helping to share stories and 
technologies and teachings. So yeah, we do a lot of traveling and speaking to people and mostly trying to build community around the world. I love that. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> In a nutshell. <laughs> oh, um, my name is David uh, Lone Bear Sunapass. Uh, I've been in Maine forever and Canada and parts of the world. And um, I uh, come from uh, Prescott, Maine, uh, suburbs of West Chapman, population five. Um, been there most of my life. Uh, I am a Mi'kmaq native. Um, been uh, living in the woods most, most of my life. Uh, not used to this, the people a lot. Um, I'm a basket maker. The, Carver, I do 100 blacksmiths, I'm doing 100 other different things. Um, and uh, the, recently, I, we moved to uh, Norway, Maine, and that's where we have our shop and we share the teachings and work a lot. <laughs> and I've been um, doing that uh, the last uh, year now after COVID. Uh, we had a lot of uh, issues when COVID, had, uh, we had to move out of our house. We stayed about nine months to 12 months on the road, uh, living in our car and hotels and all the other stuff. And just getting back on our feet uh, the last uh, several months, um, just uh, working again and sharing teachings and going out. And, uh, and I'm a scientist for the the community. I don't know who I'm a scientist for now, but uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a scientist, a, a jeweler, a flute maker. I do a lot of different things here. So that kind of narrows it down. That's a lot more, but there's a lot, you know, that narrows it down. Absolutely. <laughs> just, just That's that. <laughs> wow. Well, you are a a, both are just both talented individuals with uh, such skill sets and just such giant hearts and great energy. So I can't thank you enough for putting your energy into the world. So thank you so much. Welcome. So I'd love to have you talk to me and our viewers and our listeners about uh, ancient echoes and talk to us about, you know, some of these star teachings that are, you know, 20,000 years old you know, that the First Nations people were talking about in these Northeastern woodlands that the Mi'kmaq were talking about and teaching and passing on. I'd love for you to share some of these. Let you go first. Okay, that's a very long story. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit here and drink my tea and listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So the, I guess I can start with... Um, when I first met David and my first introduction to the star teachings. And um, so it was back in 2012. Uh, was, that was 10 years ago. Holy. <laughs> okay, so 10 years ago in 2012, um, you know, there's a lot kind of going on in the world like there always is. Um, but it, it seemed like, uh, you know, this big marker where there's a lot of fear in the world. People didn't know um, what was going to happen. There's, you know, movies in Hollywood about uh, the end of the world and, you know, these predictions. And so I think at that time, there's a lot of people looking for kind of, you know, spiritual answers and 
Um, of course, I was doing that too. I traveled to Peru and, you know, trying to find these ancient teachings and what they said about this time. And something sounds similar and something sounded like way different. So I was looking for the truth in, in that. And I happened to get an email invitation to come hear a storyteller speak in Falmouth, Maine. And I grew up in Yarmouth, Maine. So Falmouth is about 10 minutes, maybe, if I take the scenic route. <laughs> and um, I happened to be in Utah at the time. And I, I saw that the storyteller was coming. There was three different dates. He was going to be, you know, having tea with people and, and sharing some of these stories. It, it was a short email that said that he was from the Mi'kmaq Nation and that he had been walking across the U.S. and Canada sharing these stories. And I thought, like, how, you know, like, how different is that? That's not a common thing. Um, there's never, like, that I know of anybody from uh, the indigenous communities that came and shared these stories so, you know, freely. And so I definitely wanted to have a chance to listen. I think we had to pick one out of the three dates because they were only letting eight people come because it was in a private home. And so I signed up for one of the dates when, like, as soon as I got back to Maine, I was like, I'm going to go listen to the storyteller. Uh, apparently he was from Maine and, you know, I wanted to, to hear what he had to say. And so that was, I think, in July, July or August in 2012. And so I went um, to somebody's home. It was just an address in Falmouth. And I pulled up and I saw a few cars in the driveway, but I didn't like I didn't know who I was going in to see. I didn't know whose house this was. I didn't know anybody else that was going. And so I'm, you know, kind of more of like a shy, introverted person. And to be doing this was way out of my comfort zone. Um, but I did go in and, you know, I don't really know what I was expecting, but what I experienced was definitely not what I was expecting at all. Um, but when I went in, there was, you know, a group of people there. Uh, There's probably a few more than eight because um, some people didn't pre-register. They just heard about it and, and showed up and um, they had, you know, tea and everybody was asking, like, who are you? What's your name? Where'd you come from? And like, you know, I'm so shy. I'm like sinking back in the corner. Like, who are all these kind people? And, you know, what are, what are you doing? Um, and they had been to the, the talk earlier. The, there'd been some uh, things earlier. And so, you know, we waited a little bit and, and hung out, met each other. And then uh, David came. And the woman who was hosting introduced David so that we would know who he was. And he sat down and, you know, he's obviously had just come from work. Um, it's all dusty. <laughs> plastered. <laughs> plastered. Uh, I, you know, that just in itself surprised me because here I thought like, okay, there's a storyteller, like that must be what he does. But then he shows up and he's obviously been working all day. Um, 
and is you know plastered and kind of like brushed himself off and and started the the teachings or um we didn't really we weren't introduced to them as their teachings at the time it was a time to sit together and have a cup of tea and and listen and what david shared was pretty extensive i think probably the first one i went to went about well i was there for about four hours but then i had to leave um so i missed probably the next two hours (laughs) so these teas or tea time um went went quite long and you know it was David sharing where he was coming from and you know sometimes what it took for him to get to where he was um he shared things kind of like all across the board and it was probably based on you know what the the people there were asking like I remember asking what happens when you die you know (laughs) and then he was you know talking about that and and he'd bring it back to kindness and um, making small suggestions, sharing some of his stories. And it, it was just, I don't know, like so incredible because what I felt like he was saying, felt like it made a lot of connections in, in my life. Um, like, I don't know, somehow things suddenly started making some sense. <laughs> And uh, when the, the tea was over, we left and then everybody was curious to find out more. And because we just had like small introduction to a lot of different stories. And so the, the woman who was hosting, she tried to keep it small. She thought eight people could fit in the living room. And there was eight people that fit in the living room, but then there was a, a, you know, a next talk. So there are people that had signed up for that. And I found out that some people signed up for all three and I thought, well, that's not really fair. So if they're going to go, I'm going to go too. <laughs> and so the next one is probably 12 people <laughs> feel rule breakers. <laughs> and uh, we managed to fit in there with 12 people and, and listen some more. And, um, you know, that, that kind of continued because there were people coming and listening David was able to share more and, you know, we were uh, just so unaware of um, the Mi'kmaq culture or, you know, where David was coming from. It, you know, it was a, it was a lot uh, of information and a lot of kind of eye-opening things, um, especially the way that it answered a lot of the questions were different than what we would expect. Um, like sometimes he'd suggest to just like go outside and stand in cold water up to your neck. Like if you're so angry, <laughs> we're like, really, there's no like, you know, simple ceremony for that. <laughs> like put it into the fire or something like that. But um, there were, you know, suggestions and people would try them and uh, come back and kind of share their experience. And so over those smaller tea times that, uh, you know, we learned that, David was governed by a council. So what he was sharing had to kind of be approved by the council to be sharing with us. And um, he was only allowed to share, you know, a certain amount for a certain amount of time. And because we had people coming and listening, he was allowed to share a little bit more. So 
uh, going forward, they scheduled a few more teas they, uh, or tea times, I guess we call them then. And they tried to keep it really limited. And at one point, the host just said, I can't, you know, I can't just, I can't limit this. Like, uh, it's not even really part of the teachings to put a limit on anything. It's uh, open to everybody and all are welcome. So, you know, the next thing we had 60 people in the house, like where eight could fit. <laughs> There's now like, you know, 60 by December and um, like the living room would be full and just people sitting so close together and just intrigued with what was being shared um, nothing that we heard was really like what he was sharing. Um, some, you know, similarities, but a really different spin on a lot of things. And uh, so, yeah, 60 people. I, I came into one tea and they're in the living room. And then there's another room. They pushed the table aside and tried to put like benches so people could see into the room. And David was kind of sitting in the door wow. so that we could all see him. But that was still like so crowded. So I'm like under a table, like, you know, thinking, can I see through the wall? <laughs> Just I could hear him. But um, and then there's people out in the kitchen and people even sitting up on the stairway and the house was just quiet and listening. Um, and those people were taking what David was suggesting and going out and trying it, um, doing the different practices of kindness. And so because of that, uh, he was allowed to continue sharing. Um, he did seven speaks in Southern Maine and Portland, Maine from July to December 21st, 2012. And so all of those speaks were delivering all of the star teachings. Um, we didn't know even like what they were <laughs> really at the time. Like he kept talking about them, but we didn't, <coughs> didn't know, you know, like number one is this, number two is this, number three is this. It was just enough to like get to know each other and um, to be excited to work together as community and the most, I think, intriguing or drawing part for me was that I had been part of different spiritual communities, but they felt so separated. Um, mm. You know, there was certain people with certain beliefs here and they did different community building projects. And then there's another group that had a different focus. So I was in probably three or four different spiritual groups, all trying to build community, but they're all very separate. And when I came to the teas, it was like we had uh, scientists and, you know, people who are interested in physics and um, different religions and just like a whole, uh, just more diversity, I guess, and belief and understanding. And but we could all just sit there and, and listen and get something out of what was being said. The star teachings were really based on uh, science and for me, I saw like a real practicality to it. Um, mm. You know, we're, we're gathering and being together and then, you know, going out and sharing that light um, with the community in Portland or Falmouth or Bath, Maine, like wherever we were, we could immediately take something and then go out into the community with it. And uh, you know, and some of the other practices, it was like, oh, you have to study for years to learn how to do this certain ceremony. And, you know, so with this, it was like anybody could show up, anybody could come, you could come to one or you could come to a million and still get something out of it and be able to bring that out into the world uh, immediately. 
So those first seven speaks, I think, were really big in kind of this awakening in, in Southern Maine. Um, the the 2012, December 21st, 2012 event, we scheduled a big event on that day. And uh, David was saying, we're, you know, we're celebrating the, the end of the earth or whatever. You know, people were, were questioning, you know, do we want to do that? Why don't we do it the day before, you know, in case we're not here the next day? <laughs> um, David was pretty, you know, adamant on, you know, we'll do it on that day. Um, we had a major storm on that day. Uh, it was the first time some of the elders also came down. Um, from Canada to speak alongside with David, uh, which is probably the first time in history that that's ever happened. Um, it was open and public and it was a pretty big event. Um, but the, like the power went out, it was like windy and rainy. Like usually that's, you know, it can be wintry at that time, um, but this was like a weird warm, uh, warm weather with torrential downpours and it just wind and it was just crazy. I think we might have had a generator or something that was running the event um, because the power was out in Portland and the surrounding areas for that. Um, so it was, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible way to end the world <laughs> that <laughs> night. And then, you know, after that, following that, there's just such excitement and uh, people wanting to get together and to make a difference together and we continued doing teas and um, different uh, like we didn't do too oh yeah we did we continued doing the the speak event so the speaks were kind of more lecture style David would get up he'd do um, storytelling and weave in the teachings and then we would have smaller teas and that way we could take what we were learning and discuss it in the community groups and continue learning more. Um, so that went all through that winter and we ended up in Boston, um, North Carolina. The star teachings go where they're invited. So anywhere somebody invited us to go, uh, as long as we could get there, we went. Um, it brought us to, you know, Vermont and um you know over the years it's kind of grown out so we've gone to Arizona and California and we've been in the UK um, and London and of course we were invited back to um, Canada and had a lot of teas and tea community there so over all of that I tried to make a commitment to go to every single event <laughs> that I could go to I remember hearing, you know, when they would schedule the teas, um, luckily I was self-employed. So I just clear my schedule and then I put in the teas or, you know, speaks first. And then I'd schedule around that. And then, you know, I get a little like, oh man, when they, cause there's always like the impromptu, like, okay, there's a teaching tomorrow. And I'd have something planned and try to like, you know, work around that. Um, but the way that, you know, David works is, uh, you know, there's specific times and like sometimes we don't know that there's going to be a, a teaching or event tomorrow. We just have to be prepared to to do it. Um, so that that first year was really an introduction to um, David and 
the star teachings. Um, I don't think he might, I mean, he might've told us they were, they were called star teachings early on, but it wasn't until probably March of 2013, where we actually publicly invited people to a star teachings event. Um, and these star teachings, you know, there's a, there's other star teachings out there. So these ones are pretty specific. Um, and they're, you know, revealed, I guess, as the communities are ready. So, you know, after going to so many, like some things David said in 2012, I didn't understand. I still don't understand. <laughs> um, but some of them, it's like eight years later, I'm like, oh, okay, I think that's what he means. And then the next year, I'm like, oh, wait, no, you know, there's another <laughs> another um, layer to, to what he's saying. But um, I guess yeah, that's kind of the the introduction that I've had to the star teachings that might be helpful for people to hear. Okay, the interview's over. That's it. That's just the intro. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. And so, if you don't mind, um, have you noticed that since you know a decade ago when first starting this, you know, like you said, it's when it when people are ready to be open to the teachings, when they're ready to accept and understand these things, have you felt there's been a shift in the collective consciousness in individuals as a whole over the past 10 years? That's for you. That's for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I usually start by saying 2012 was like the end of the world. And, you know, people seemed a lot more open at that time because it was like, the fear somehow, you know, they were looking for something, uh, community, something to hold on to, um, something to be a part of, some way to help. And then, you know, we wake up on December 22nd, <laughs> 12th, and it's like, we're still here. And so I think slowly it seemed like people kind of went back to sleep, like, okay, you know, that's over. We survived that. Now we can go back to our daily grind. Um and it kind of, it seems like waves sometimes. And we try to look um, where things are happening in the world. It seems like, you know, little pockets will open up here and there, but there's only like a, a short time window to get to those places. So um, we, I think after, gosh, I don't know when it was, maybe four or five years ago, four years ago, David had said, you know, um, we're looking at the UK right now because there's a, you know, uh, kind of just like an opening or awakening in, in the UK. So what we do is just, you know, be aware of that and to see, we can't just go somewhere without an invitation and um, like, we can't just go to Hawaii and then just start teaching the start teachings. Mm it's not going to be accepted. That's not the way the teachings work. So, you know, we're looking for the invitations. And after David said that, um, you know, I have my ears and eyes open more specifically to see, you know, something's coming from there. And it was like two days later, somebody from uh, London uh, reached out and invited us to have tea in London and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got the invitation. I see an invitation to London. And then the whole thing is like, okay, now how do we get there? You know, we're in Maine. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty lengthy flight. And uh, 
London costs a little bit more than <laughs> it does here in Maine. So, um, you know, we did manage to go, but we couldn't bring as many people as, as we wanted to. Um, there's a lot that happened with that that first trip and actually David wasn't even able to go. Um, that's a whole other story, but, you know, uh, there's what, what spirit is saying and, um, what we're, we're trying to do and then what we're actually able to do as humans. And it just seems like such a delicate window. Um, so we were able to get over to London. Uh, we shared the star teachings, um, we had two teachers from uh, New Brunswick that came with us to Megama teachers. And those teachings hadn't been in London for 500 years. So it was uh, bringing the teachings back. So it was really like hugely significant. Um, we were able to go to London three times. So I went once with um, two of our teachers from Canada, and then the next time David was able to go, and we took some more teachers from Maine, and then we went one more time, and David said, we have to get back in 45 days or we're not going to be able to come back, and we tried to put another team together to get there, and uh, that window closed and then COVID hit and everything shut down. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a serious window. Um, so we still have connections over in uh, England and um, Scotland and, you know, some people that joined us there. And, you know, the third time we went, there's people that came from South America that flew to London to come hear the teachings and they came from Spain and, and all over. So we made a lot of connections there, but we weren't able to stay and, and continue. Uh, but each each time we went there, it was like pretty amazing that there's so much hidden in plain sight. And even like we're aware of a lot of the, the star teachings, not all of them, but, you know, we're standing in a building and we're like, what is David doing? He's like talking to the clerks and stuff like that. And um, then we start looking around because there must be a reason why we're here. He wouldn't just like bring us into this building and ask about dogs or whatever he's doing and look around and we start seeing different symbols that we recognize from the star teachings. And um, so this is just a bit uh, like it's used for regular kind of business for the town. And um, but it has a big history in the star teachings. The the star teachings are, um, some of them came from Knights Templar. Um, so there's a lot that we saw in, in England when we were there, um, but it's like, it's like right there and people are just walking over it and have no idea. So it was cool to, to be in that other place and to learn kind of another layer of that history. Um, but I, yeah, I think there's just waves depending on what's happening in the world and, you know, like a, a war breaks out and everybody, well, a lot of people don't want that happening. And so there's like this rise of what can we do? And then it, it feels like we get to a certain point and then it kind of like, uh, you know, like we can't do anything and, you know, it kind of slows down, but we're, we're trying to get people to gather before tragic events happen. Um, I think that we have a lot more I think we can have a lot more control than we know we do. And 
but it just takes like so many people working together. Um, so yeah, we, we just keep an eye on world events and um, some of what, you know, David has for information. We, we use that and uh, just, yeah, try to do the best we can to get to the places we need to go when we need to be there. I can imagine that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for just your your consciousness and being observers and helpers and utilizing kindness and compassion to spread light into the world. Um, I think it's something important each and every day. And I feel, in my opinion, that so many people have gotten away from kindness and compassion and gotten away from collaborative work or collaborative efforts together. And you bring up a great word in community and how important community is and what we can learn from one another and how we can move in a positive, loving direction with community. So I, I appreciate the sense of community that you're bringing. And then on top of that, you know, sharing these star teachings. So thank you for doing for doing so much for for our world and i think more than more than many people even realize so thank you and i am grateful again to the council for even just the permission for this so thank you to to the elders and the council as well so thank uh, you i just want to thank you for having us on um and um and and i want to apologize right up front uh no um some of the things I say is so it bumps into traditional people, it bumps into religion, it bumps into all the other things out there. And people get mad, um, me speaking about these things. But, um, but the, in, in, in our world right now, uh, so much false information going on there. And everybody thinks they have the right information, uh, including this person. And, um, and I like, I'm going to just apologize up front. Uh, if I insult any of your, your community and think that I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not a debunker. I'm not, that's not what I'm here for. But uh, to understand the truth, you have to know the direction uh, where the truth is coming from. So and to me, that, that is pretty well up, you know, if it, we're on the earth, then truth is up there. So, yeah, um, I just want to just uh, say that uh I don't do podcasts uh, frequently very much. I used to do a lot of them, but it got so crazy and nutsy and all that stuff. I just stopped doing it because um, you have to be able to ask the right question. And, um, and all the crazy things that you, you, you probably know all the crazy things that's going on there. And, um, and I was answering the same question all the time, you know, just nobody's not really thinking. And uh, we, we talk about the higher conscious, all the different things, all those different things that we, think that we know about we know absolutely nothing about or understand where, where it comes from and part of my research and the reason why i'm here i i am just a basket maker that's all i am i i i don't claim anything else out there in my tribe i don't even hold the pipe or a drum I, i'm not even allowed to dance uh, i am i am just a storyteller so and and i try to still stay in that realm of storytelling but there's so much else to these teachings that people don't really understand what they, uh, when they come in, so, oh, that's great, everything else. And they go and we never see them again. Hmm. Um, and it's like that always, uh, you know, we travel all around the world speaking and everything else. And people say, oh, I want to know the truth. And I tell them the truth goes, that's not the truth. 
So, and, and they expect them, um, I guess the little angels, the, the, the earth beings, the aliens, you know, that's, you know, you know, how true is that? I don't know. I'm not a debunker, but I know what I know and know what I understand. And, like I said, um, with this machine, you can be just about anything you want to be. And people have. And you, you go online, you can see all the craziness. So uh, going back to the message, yeah, there's a message sent. But um, why was it sent? You know, why was it sent to us? Um, it's because um, uh, later on that um, summer that we had a ceremony uh, in the north, uh, and a big ceremony. It's called the Thousand Drums. And what there was, it was just not only natives, it was uh, French and English and Italy, Germany, all the ones that came to celebrate. And the world was in such debacle at the time. And, um, and everybody didn't really know what was going on. And, of course, uh, everybody has their belief of this God or creator or a program or what else. So we decided to pray in our own way. Uh, and... And it was and it was a lot of people, and I was younger at the time, and they played the drum for the three days straight. They didn't stop playing the drum, and they put prayers in that, and then they try to keep it as traditional as possible. You couldn't wear shoes, sneakers. You could wear moccasins or your your whatever that you, your traditionally dressed. And a lot of people had wooden shoes. That was from um, over the seas, and. Part of that ceremony that I participated, but like I said, I'm a, I was a younger. I, I didn't know very much about the world and uh, what people said about me. You know, I was like, oh, he's a, he's a, he's the chosen one, things like that. And being a younger, I, I, did, I thought it was all crap. I said, you know, this is my tradition. And then my elders said, oh, you know, you have to come to this uh, thousand drums and people are expecting you to be there. And I really didn't want to be there myself. I, you know, I, I had other things as a teenager to go out and do and, and fishing and being in the mountain. And, but I went uh, forcefully. And of course there was a thousand drums. Uh, well, there's probably about 20 drums playing all, all the time, but there were a thousand drums there. And uh, they, they had strict ceremonies. They sweat lodge, all the different things that you can possibly think of uh, tradition. And I didn't participate in any of it. Um, I, I was there to um, tell tell my stories. And uh, I had a little area that they gave me. I had some logs. People come and sit on. And during the ceremony, some people come in and sit and listen to my stories. Uh, and I wasn't a very good storyteller at the time. I knew the stories, but I monologued them. But it was all right. And we had a couple of people come in and things like that. And... They, they played the drums and did all the different things and um, end up, um, I, th I think it was Saturday, no, no, it was Friday night. And um, I went and, and uh, told my stories. Uh, a lot of people showed up. Uh, I, I don't know why they enjoyed the stories because I wasn't a good storyteller. And uh, after the ceremony, um, um, they had a... Um, you would call it, a, uh, we call it a wiki up. You guys would call it a wigwam or a teepee. Uh, we call them wiki ups. They're, they're fast, large. And 
I get done and then the person that's, um, that's taking care of me, uh, you would call them bodyguard, I guess. This guy was like six something. Uh, and, um, and we went in and, uh, and I was hungry. And of course, the traditional meal is a uh, moose and all the, uh, and I like moose. And, I said, and he, I said, I didn't want that. I said, I've been eating that for the last couple of days. I said, what do you want? So I want a cheeseburger. So there was a, there was a store down the road. He went and got a, some fries, home cooked fries, cheeseburger, and, and a bottle of Coca Cola. Snuck it into the wiki up, you know. So that, so, so I was in there eating that, and um, and um, he kept most of the people away because people wanted me to bless them or do something. It's just crazy stuff. And um, I was in there eating, and I hear the people outside talking, but everybody's kind of excited. So I stuck my head out of the window and everybody's out there looking at the wiki up where I was, you know, I had a cheeseburger and fries in my hand. And um, I asked um, my friend, said, what happened? He said, lightning just struck your, your wiki up. Yeah. And that's because I did see some blue something and it struck, struck the tent where I was in. And to the elders, that's a sign. And to me, it was like being in the wrong place. So... <laughs> So that went on, and I did get to sleep after a while. Uh, next morning, I went out to the the powwow ground or the gathering ground, and uh, met my elder out there. And my elder says, um, "How come you're not carrying your smudge bow and your feather?" I go, "Well, I don't need to carry." So, well, people expect you to do that, to smudge them and stuff like that. So, I don't want to do. I don't believe in that stuff. And um, but I ended up carrying it, and he said, "Well, you should go down to the the, the river and make an offering to the uh, water spirits or something." I said, "Oh, you know, I, I didn't. This is this was all rigmarole to me. It didn't mean anything to me. It's part of my tradition. But again, I was younger and did. And but I, I want to make sure I was respect my elders. So I went and did that. And the water was quarter mile away, um, and I got down to the water and. And I'm looking at my elder and he goes, smudge, because everybody's pretty well looking at me from the the, uh, the grounds. So I was, did the smudge and stuff like that. <laughs> like, it didn't mean anything. It didn't, nothing meant anything. Then I noticed everybody looking up and there's like, you can tell everybody's looking up at something. So I looked up and there was, um, I thought it was crows at first. It was like 100, 150 birds and they were making a big circle. They were going around. And come to find out there were eagles, about 100 or 150 eagles. And they made a, almost a perfect circle. And I look up at the, the grounds and everybody was taking their feathers and holding the feathers up and, and, you know, say it's a sign from the creator or something like that. And I just thought, of because I, I, I'm a hunter, so I know what they were doing. They were gathering for their, their hunt for the river. And that's usually they gather in big numbers and hunt the river. But and I noticed in, almost in the center, I see a little dark spot, and that dark spot came down. And what it was is that eagle lost one of its feathers and dropped it right in front of me. And my elder said, pick it up, pick it up. So I picked it up, and I guess all those people were hold, holding their feathers and hollering and beating drums and stuff like that. And I brought the feather up to the elder and said, what do I do with it? He said, you hang on to that. And all the uh, elders and everything else were um, you know, giving me blessings and everybody want me bless them, things like that. And again, did not mean very much to me. You know, it's like we're 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 playing crazy here. This is this is not going to work. 
So I think I got breakfast and had like an egg sandwich or something and went to my little um, place. I was going to story tell. And at that time, they weren't called powwows. They were called gatherings. We didn't know the word powwow. And it was gatherings. And at the gatherings, people, just like the powwows now, they bring their things to sell, to trade. And um, some of the people brought preserved jars with moose meat and blueberries in them. And that was the trade. And they had, they had, these, they had those all together on one table. And they had trinkets and all the different things that you trade and everybody just opening up. And before that, where I came up around the river, um, uh, the, the, the uh, community start uh, doing something, moaning and uh, they, something was going on. And what happened is um, I still can't describe it today. A thousand blue lights came up out of the ground, and they were all over the uh, the the, um, the the ground. These lights were dancing. All they're just like little blue orbs, and but they were just like sparkling. All they're blue all over the place. And this must have took place about fifteen minutes, and they kind of faded off and kind of turned to dust. And um, I didn't think it was weird. Still. Uh, but everybody else was scared. Uh, some of some of the people, the elders, were they brought prayer beads with them. They were saying their uh, their uh, their their prayers. There were, some were Catholic, and there was there was they were scared. Everybody was scared. My elders said, "Everybody's scared. This that, that shouldn't have happened." And I agreed. I don't know what happened, but something happened. And all of a sudden, uh, those moose meat jars start rattling, and they're rattling. Uh, bumping into each other, and, and there's, and after a while, the ground started to shake, and there's a like a thin dust that came off the mountain, and there's like this haze in the air, and it was an earthquake. Um, I tell the story a lot, but I don't think people know the importance of timing. I guess the this the timing was. Uh, when the earthquake stopped, uh, people were crying, people were uh, uh, scared, uh, people were down on their knees uh, praying. Um, uh, some of the people wanted to go. They didn't. They think this, this was the end of the world. And to me, I wasn't afraid or nothing like that. And my, I asked my elder, what's, what's going on? He, and I go, he goes, I don't know. And uh, something about you. I go, I'm just, I'm, not, I'm nothing. Um, what about me? And um, everybody start raising their um, feathers. Says, raise your feather up. And I raised my feather up, not all the way up. And everybody around me raised their feather. And everybody, uh, must have been about 6,000 people, maybe something like that there. And they start all bowing down. And, of course, I'm, I was going to bow down. My elder says, no, you stay up. And I guess that felt weird at the time. Again, I didn't have nothing to, to understand or even understand what's going on. So that weekend, uh, that Sunday night, they, they, all the elders were saying something happened this year. We don't know what happened this year, this weekend, but they sent a message out into the universe uh, in all different languages. Um, if there is a God, if there's a creator, if there's somebody up there, something, please answer us. And they did this for six hours, uh, sweat lodge, 
um, you know, people were fasting, uh, uh, offering flesh offerings, all the different things. And they, they cried and it was almost like a Pentecost um, uh, revival. That's what it felt like. Um, and everybody's making offerings and you could see the campfires um, because everybody got uh, spruce branches and there was uh, blue and green smoke going up that evening. And one of my um, things that my elders told me, I never could sweat. I never could go in the sweat lodge. That wasn't, I, I wasn't allowed to do that. I, I wasn't allowed to dance. I wasn't allowed to sing. I wasn't allowed to do anything. You're just a storyteller. So I just kind of uh, took care of the fire for the uh, sweat keepers. And this went on six hours, just drumming and crying. And, and, uh, and, and the prayers were directed up to offer help. So I, uh, the main, uh, the, where the elders, the, the turtle lodge, where the elders were, uh, probably after about five hours, they, this, this guy come up and got me, says, the elders need to talk to you. So I'm not allowed to go into the sweat lodge. No, you stay outside the sweat lodge. So I went up there, probably about 20 minute walk. And it was two o'clock in the morning, I guess, something like that. Um, no, it was like one o'clock in the morning. And Went in there and um, my my elders in there and he says, uh, um, "We need to send a message to the Eastern spiritual leader. We need to send a, a, a the response or something." And at that time in our in our families, uh, we held letters, uh, different letters written by a lot of our teachers, and they were uh, supposed to be held by families, but most of the museums got a hold of them and they displayed them. And uh, and we didn't have all the letters. We didn't have the seven letters there. We only had four. And one of my assignments was to go get those letters and bring them to the Eastern Spiritual Leader. And I didn't know who the Eastern Spiritual Leader really, I thought it was President Carter or somebody or something. And end up um, them singing and talking a little bit more. And everybody kind of finally just settled in their beds and Monday morning when it rolled around, nothing. No, the world was the same. Nothing changed. And um, we all got packed up. And then uh, after a couple of days, everybody cleared out of that ground. And uh, we went home to our prospective places. And I was younger. I went home, talked to my sister and my dad about it. Nothing. You know, nothing happened. As we know. It was powerful ceremony, but what we asked for, I, I believe in spirits at the time a little bit because I always heard something on my right side and it was always muffled. I couldn't understand what that muffle was. And that's supposed to be spirit talking to me, but it was I, I didn't understand it. And uh, after a while, that uh, I went to my life. Uh, Went to school, did all that stuff. Always heard that muffled voice. Never thought anything of it. But in the teachings, uh, in different other methodologies, what I what I've been taught, that that message has been sent to us. But 
how do we receive it? Uh, you know, in this day and age, you know, people say, oh, uh, light language. Uh, I, t- I speak light language or right like. And I'm not, like I said, I'm, excuse me, I'm not a debunker. But if a message was sent, if we are receiving a message, a message is information. Um, people say, oh, I, I talk to spirits all the time. That should be informational, no matter what that is. It shouldn't be go to the river and make an offering. And spirit doesn't talk that way. Yeah? As much as I know, they've never talked to me that way. Is that they pretty, if you ask for something and you do it the right way, you get it immediately. That's, that's no, there's no waiting and uh, you deserve it or the spirit doesn't work that way. Uh, the, the creator does not punish. I, I tried to tell even clergy this. Uh, uh, the creator prepares. That's what he does. Or he does. Or she does. I, I don't know if the creator is a woman or a man, but I know spirit is not. We talk about feminine and, and masculine. There's no such a thing in spirit world. Because if spirit is spirit, it is all of everything, not just one of one thing. But that's the humanistic, but we want to put it in spirit. So part of growing up and understanding what spirit is and, and talking to elders and you think I should be wise right now, but I am not. I feel like I'm more stupider than I was when I first started out. And, um, but I tried to look for that message uh, through radio signals uh, because we talk about, I'm, I'm coming down to something and I won't keep you all day. <laughs> so we talk about messages, receiving messages through spirit and everything else. And, and if that is so, and, and if that is so, we should be able to pick up the residence of spirit. No problem. Uh, there's been uh, work done on this for hundreds of years. So, you know, we talk about mediums and all the different stuff. Are they picking up something? Remember, it has to be informational, you know, um, my grandfather passed away many years ago and people said, oh, I have messages from your grandfather. My grandfather already set a code with each other. So if I'm sending a message, I'm going to send you this code. Nobody's ever came up with that code. Even my father and my mother and my sister, we all have those codes. Nobody's ever came with those codes. So it has to be informational. That's what I said. So at the young age, I started trying to figure out what that message is, where that message was sent. And there was a, such a message uh, sent, uh, I should be able to receive it, or somebody should be able to receive it. Um, right now that we have all this technology that we can receive radio signals and everything else, uh, back in the, the 70s, I did not have a very uh, good way of uh, receiving radio signals. So I, I studied radio, how to receive those messages from radio. I set up antennas out in our field, uh, traveled around Canada, different places looking for a radio signal. I didn't come up very much. Uh, ended up um, using SD rockets to send small antennas up to receive in that frequency band. Should be in the hydrogen band. Um, and didn't receive very much. Uh, I started um, uh, using rockets, um, uh, gasoline rockets, uh, and, and putting them up uh, 16 miles up and having a way to receive a partial of that message there. And guess what? I received it couple of little strips that convinced me that they're there. I spent most of my life doing that still. And I gathered that information um, 40 years or more and, and still gathering information now. 
And just the last, uh, I guess, uh, several years, I've been trans- I've finished translating the, the messages I got back in the 70s because I, it's all in binary. Co- you know anything about computers? Yeah, a little bit. You know what binary and ones? is? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Off and on. So that's most of the way I can see my, my messages. So I made a program so that it takes the binary and turns it into some recognition of what the radio message is. We have a, um, can I talk about the scrolls? Yeah. We have um, scrolls that's, uh, that has been passed down to me. And, and I was taught some of that translation through the scrolls and take that radio message and put them through the, the way that I translate code in the scrolls. Code and not until probably about a year, two years ago, that just doesn't just started making sense because uh, the code is a what they call a reference code. Uh, we have to be in a certain part of space to be able to see most of it, so a lot of it is blocked out. And uh, we just been getting the blocks through now, so I have more sophisticated ways of um, receiving messages. I use high altitude balloons. Uh, and they have a system on it that I can receive that message. And they stay up uh, one to three months uh, receiving that message. So I can do the blocks now and making sense of that code. When I first started uh, doing this, um, the code made sense to the copper scrolls, but I couldn't understand it because I didn't have all the blocks uh, because we weren't going through that part of space. Now I'm getting the blocks. They're starting to make sense. They're not like English. Uh, English is a... It's an alphabet. This is not, not an alphabet. And anybody that reads light language up that, they would have no clue what this was uh, because it is an actual uh, uh, decipher. And I had people come up and say, oh, let, let me put my hands on the copper scrolls. They, they don't work that way. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say that because we're brought into what the, um, we think spirit is and that's what we practice and do so yes i i i sent um i translated two messages sent them out to community and we have to if you look on our website is there on the i think there's on our website that you can actually listen to that code that took a little bit more than 46 years to to, to decode and that ceremony um that we did and they sent the message out to the universe they they responded within thirty seconds of that message. If we if you look at the code and what's out there, that message was responded in thirty seconds when they sent that out. That we just had no way to receive it. So it took me forty six years or forty some odd years just to be able to translate it. So our world is not what we think it is, uh, and that, you know we keep on thinking oh. Um, let's uh, hold hands for peace. You, you guys would be the only ones doing that. The world wouldn't be doing that. Um, we don't know about peace. We don't know about kindness. We don't know about compassion. We don't know about happiness. We think we do. But in the Copper Scrolls, it tells us how to start. You know, everybody says, oh, I want to learn the Copper Scrolls. And they come into the teachings. And say, well, you got to be in part of the community to understand that because in order for me to understand that message, I need to be. I, I had to be in community. I couldn't be a single person translating that message. There's no one. There's no one person out there that's that important. You know, we talk about Billy Graham and Dalai Lama. 
But again, they, they can't tr translate peace. They, they don't know how to do peace. You know, and people say, oh, what, what about the gurus? No, they, they stay in the mountains. You know, why do they stay in the mountains? They should be here. They should be here. And in that message, um, if you read that message, that they said they will send, they already, they already walk among us. What does that mean? You know, it's like, who walks among us? What walks among us? Would we recognize it? Would it be like a, a Native American? Would it be a guru? Would it be what? You know, um, but they don't explain what that is. But in the Copper Scrolls, it describes the description of the emissary, the, whatever that, that is. But in the, the teaching, do you think this would be thousands of people be flocking to this? No. We are too stuck on ourselves. Our ego rules our eyes. And when your eyes are ruled, your eyes are ruled by your mouth. And nobody listens after that. It's like, and I, I find that um, when I go somewhere, I'm the first time I had went to um, um, Arizona. You know, somebody came up to say, I'm chosen. And the guy, I said, you're chosen? Yeah, I'm, I'm chosen to lead the people. I said, well, what are you talking to me for? You know? And people don't realize that if you're going to do something, you have to be able to do it. You know, you just don't talk about it. And I think that with all the other spiritual leaders around, you think that we'd, we would unite as a community, but we don't. We want to be individual. Like I said, I, I claim to be nothing. I'm, I'm nothing here. I, I, I tell people, I say, I want to see David Sunnipass. Well, you're seeing the wrong person then, because uh, if you want to see me, that you heard one of my things that you should be in community here, not talk to me. Because only thing I can tell you to do is work. <laughs> you know, if you're going to do something in your community, chop wood, do something, you know, and don't sit around and listen to me, you know. And that's why I don't do the podcast anymore because everybody wants to see the Indian, the, uh, the, the messenger, or whatever that is. And I'm neither of those. I'm, I, I am a toll booth keeper. I'm, um, I'm the mechanic that breaks down on when we drive somewhere. I'm the mechanic that fixes the car. You know, I'm, I'm not the one that calls God in to part the waters. You know, uh, I don't think he listens to me very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. But I think that in, in that and in everything you said is, is that's the truth, right? That's you say, this is if who we are and what we do in our experiences. And then, you know, that I think each of us taking that time to have those conversations and to just talk and just keeping community alive. And, and I think that again, I, I can't stress enough how much I I'm grateful for anyone who will take their time to even just have a conversation and hope that maybe someone listening can take some things away from that and, and bring that into the world with them to, in hopes, create better worlds and better lives for everyone around them because that's all we really can do and try to do no one has all of the answers but we can try our best to try and help those around us and in turn without selfishness that's it's helping us because we're helping each other and we're helping the world become a better place just by having good conversations and learning and in my opinion anyway you know and i don't i don't claim to know anything i'm just I'm just a guy with glasses, a bushy beard, long hair, who likes to have people share their stories and, and maybe someone can learn from them and take something with it, uh, take something from it and 
share it with them and, and their loved ones. So I love this. You know, we, we have the answer to homelessness. We have the answer to hunger. We have all these answers, but we don't communicate. Uh, um, when I come to town, I invite all the other elders, all the other spiritual leaders to come and listen. Not one has ever came to, to listen to these words. And I claim nothing. I, you know, um, you know to our world of understanding, we don't understand it. Our world of love, we don't love. Um, the first teachings in the Copper Scrolls, uh, the ancient from the ancient elders, is kindness. That is the first lesson. People say, oh, I want to learn all the, this kindness. And part of that kindness is being kind to yourself first. Uh, take, care, take care of that temple that's inside you, to make sure that you're happy, to make sure that, that you're not blaming yourself. When you get up in the mirror, the part of the quality of the world is that you got to look in that mirror and like that person in the mirror first before you like anybody else. And, you know, some of the things that we've done in the world, there's people hold this forever. And part of that is uh, understanding what community is inside. We're not alone in here. You know, we have all the other critters that keep us alive and we have our, we have our ancestors in our brain and all the different things. And as much as people tell me, your elders will never come to visit you unless you understand this. And no matter if it's spirit or is in, in understanding what human is. Now, I think this is the hard part of the, the, the teachings is because everybody wants to be the fuzziness. Uh, they want to feel something. Um, you do feel something, you know. Um, it's, it's not about that, you know. And if it was about that, uh, we would go to Russia right now and put our feelings out to them. You know, if we went over right now, we'd be shot for just for what we believe, no matter if it's church or not church. Uh, the real thing is like, all right, all you people that claim to do something, and let's say, go on the front lines and do something. Show me what you can do. Show me what your truth is and let's see. And, and again, I don't see anybody over there. You know, I don't see anybody feeding the homeless and in uh, the poor countries and or even in the United States or even the reservations or in, I don't see them people there. They claim all these things, but, and again, I'm, I'm not a debunker. You know, when somebody says, Oh, this power has, this crystal has power. We should be able to measure that no matter what that is, not using the human feeling to measure it. Um, our world uh, we measure a cell phone is run by a crystal without that crystal, the cell phone would never work. Uh, but it needs electricity to do that, though. And the same with all the other things that we do. And, you know, and people get so mad at me. So, oh, no, you, you don't know. I do know. I, I do know. You bring any of those objects to me. I, I have enough equipment in my lab to figure out that that thing does anything. You know, we had um, several years ago, some, some friends come up from, I'm not going to tell you what country, because we would name who they are. <laughs> some people that came from out of state and mm -hmm. uh, claiming this crystal. Uh, can purify water. And it's a beautiful crystal. It's uh, it made by uh, the individuals. They paid $1,000 for this. Oh, my gosh. I, it was, I don't even know. It was yeah. a lot. They had the, yeah, they had a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Each individual one was pretty costly. Yeah. So, and he asked me to test them. I said, well, are you going to 
believe the test results, you know, because no, I feel it here. You know, I can take a regular stone and feel it here, you know. Um, it has to be able to, uh, I can measure the magnetic field around you, uh, electrical field, and that goes out about 16 feet, we can measure. So I can measure that. So anything that interacts with that, that's part of you and interact. And guess what? I can measure the Earth's magnetic field. You react to that. Uh, I can measure a magnetic field around an apple. Uh, all the different things that live, I can measure electrical field minutely, but I can measure it. And they brought these crystals to me. They did nothing. You know, I looked on the advertisement, they very good advertisement, and all these words, all oh, this and that, and this and that, and does this, purifies water. <laughs> and they were trying to purify water with it. They had a bunch in a fish tank, and they said, oh, it's purifying water. It's changing the structure. Maybe so, um, but it didn't take out the, the sediments out of the thing. Was, you know, you can change structure by water just by putting your hand and throwing it up in the air, and the structure has changed. So, and um, to take this to a country that, that has bad water, they die uh, because the crystal didn't do anything. And um, but after that, I said, I will make you a machine that actually purifies water and it wouldn't have crystals. In it. And I'm still working on that. And uh, out of the, the machine I made, uh, you can the most dirtiest water, the thing uh, will bring the water up to 99.9% pure because it, it, it works with water with atomic weight, it takes all the stuff that's heavy out of it mm -hmm. and, and, and it works. Um, but again, is that with that? thousand dollar little crystal and they bought 62 of these things so i don't know um like I said, i'm not a debunker but, but it's, again is that we're into all these different things and we we want peace in the world i don't know there's people living off our peace and financial means and i find that a lot and that's why i don't go i don't you know i had jacqueline go on first to, to see who you are and what questions you asked and that's why i'm on here it's like i i feel like you're you are a true person, true spirit. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm here. So, yeah. And I did check all the other videos that you had and things like that, because I'm not, I don't want I'm I'm not here to play games. Uh, my elders sent here me to to help, not to say that I'm going to part water, do all that different things. I'm here with a solution. That's it. That, that's it. You know, if you do the solution, that's fine. If you don't do it, that's fine too. Is you know, but it has to work in community. The 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 copper scrolls uh, describes how to do that, and we've been doing that for the last ten years, and um, and it has made difference in people and change. Uh, some of the people that um, that made change in this, they, they I don't want to change your belief. That's not what it is. I just want to change. Uh, maybe look in another direction, but keep your belief. That's it, and uh, and. See, see what works. That's all. And we have no um, qualms or quirks that you do it or not. It is. It depends on community and yourself. That's it. It's hard to talk because, oh my goodness, um, you know, I I teach almost every week or every other week, but people don't know what to have a hold of here. It's not a circle like Native American talking circle. People say, oh, it's a Native American. That's not what it is. This is older than that. Uh, it's governed in a different way. Uh, we, 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 we do different things. There's different things that we do in community. It's, 
as nothing you've ever seen before. But it's the most simplest thing that you can possibly do in, in community. And part of community, anybody, we, we, we welcome everybody into the circle. Now, there's a couple of rules you got to follow when you come in, but, but that's it. They're not even rules, they're just directions. And if that direction is met, the circle will go fine. <laughs> you, you are invited to the circle. So. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm honored. I would absolutely, I would take you up on the invitation. Thank you. We'll see, we'll, we'll see you there. Okay. I will see you there. <laughs> I will make sure of that. You have my word. I love that. Uh, uh, I know we're running short on time here. So if you could, if you wouldn't mind, where can folks find some more information? Um, is there information on the internet? Uh, and then also on the website, um, any of the websites that you want to list now uh, where folks can find more information? Yes. Uh, Internetgoes.org is our main hub. So we try to put as much information on that as possible. We have lists of uh, projects, Ancient Echoes projects. We have some of the teachings on there. We have the teaching kind of platform with past recordings. Uh, and then, yeah, there's some recordings. <laughs> <laughs> some of them go back to 2016. Wow. Um, and yeah, we've been trying to pull up more archives that we have to put on the website to make it available. Um, and past recordings of events on our Crowdcast channel, um, crowdcast.io backslash hnecos, I think. Um, yeah, and then we're, <laughs> we took a break from Facebook for a year. Um, we were finding, you know, we, we put things on there. It just doesn't really get understood in the way that we want to share. And there's just a lot of like, 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 you know, I like that, but not a lot of like doing. Um, mm. So we took a break. Uh, we are still on Facebook. So we've started to activate some of the quotes and, you know, different kind of introductory pieces to the star teachings on there. Um, the community likes likes that so we have that and we're also on Instagram um, and we share some of the you know behind the scenes what David's working on um, David in action yeah he has no idea about any of this surprise yeah and he's got a lot of different projects um, that we're working on so yeah that's all on the website that's awesome. So I'll, I'll make sure that we're going to have all the links in the descriptions as well. So it makes it easier for folks to find everything um, and be able to, to reach out and, and follow along. Um, do you have any upcoming events, uh, any teas that are coming up? Yes, we have. Um, well, we have Ancient Echoes is um, we have four captains that kind of guide the direction of that. Um, and the, the teas are kind of a subcategory of ancient echoes and we have about 10 active tea lights um, or tea conductors so it's a community thing and when they're active they're volunteers um, so they put those groups together and uh, we've been having teas every wednesday and saturday in southern maine um, and of course we're open to invitations to other locations um, so I'll put that in there. And 
we have two more storytelling events that David's going to be doing. Uh, we have a, a white bear project. Uh, we've been introducing the story of the white bear. And this is the beginning story of how the star teachings came here. So we're doing some fundraising so that we can actually record David telling that story and painting it. Um, and that way. <laughs> okay. Doing somersaults. <laughs> doing somersaults. <laughs> while he's making flutes and doing jewelry and all that stuff. But um, yeah, we just want to carve out some time so we can capture that story and document it. Um, but he's got uh, May 5th, which is coming right up um, in Portland at Mayo Street Arts, um, Hearing the Light, and then May 18th, um, St. Lawrence Arts. How do you hear the light? I don't know. That's why I'm going to the event <laughs> to find out. <laughs> Celebrating Light and Sound will be on May 18th, and that's going to be a pretty fun one. Um, well, they're all, they're all really good. So that's uh, all I have in my memory for the upcoming events. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to share with folks? Maybe some 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 encouraging words. Um, I, think, some I think of the teachings. Um, you know, this all surrounds the teachings. Uh, the teachings is not following a elder or guru or something like that. The teachings is understanding what this world is about. Uh, we all think we know what the world is about, but if you just ask the right question, you you would be answered. And everybody thinks they have the right question. But if you really think about that, now what if you could ask the question to the creator or the programmer or God, what question would that really be? Or would you sit there and say, oh, I don't know really what that question is. Mm -hmm. And some people think they do and they come around the world to talk to me. And they realize that they have no question. <laughs> they just have a curiosity. So a question is that, uh, these teas that they're doing, um, if you want to know what it is, you have to come. You can't ask. <laughs> and uh, in the teachings that my instruction from my elders, it said, you go where you're invited. And that, that was my instruction. So if you invite me to come and teach in your town, I have no choice because the spirits already said that. So, And, um, and that's how we work. It's like, if you ask, we'll come without a doubt. And there you have it. I cannot thank Jacqueline and David Lone Bear enough for just sharing their time, their space, their energy, and for everything that they do for the world around us. I'd like to give a sincere, heartfelt willalen to the council, the elders, and the teachers that permitted Jacqueline and David Lone Bear to share some time with us today. We talked about so many wonderful things. I'm so grateful for all the stories they shared. We also learned about some really great upcoming events in Portland, Maine. I'd really like to implore those who might happen to be in the area to go check that out in person. So we've got this coming Thursday, May 5th at Mayo Street Art in Portland, Maine. It's gonna be Hearing the Light. It's Mi'kmaq storytelling and flute playing by David Lone Bear himself. And that's gonna be from 7.30 to 9.30. And that's this Thursday, May 5th. And the upcoming Celebrating Light and Sound, Mi'kmaq storytelling and flute with David Lone Bear Center Pass on May 18th. That's going to be at St. Lawrence Arts in Portland, Maine. We talked about some of the great places that you can find Jacqueline and David Lone Bear's work. You can go to ancientechoes.org. There you'll find a series of events, teachings, and information around Ancient Echoes and the Star Teachings. 
You can also find more information around what David Lone Bear is doing at LoneBearsArts.com. And you can find out more information about what Jacqueline is up to and her jewelry making and her book by going to JacquelineSenapass.com. And you can be sure to find them on Instagram as well as on Facebook. If you like the podcast, be sure to share it with anyone that you think would enjoy this kind of content and take a moment and rate it. If you're watching, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you can find out about the newest episodes coming out. You can find us on Instagram at itd.jcosta, as well as on Twitter at itd underscore jcosta. We can't thank you all enough for joining us. Until next time, I'm Cuevado. Take care of one another and keep thinking for yourself. <laughs>